Lord, it's a privilege to be able to speak to the Most High God. Lord, you are holy, you are righteous, you are good. Lord, you're the creator of all things and the sovereign of the universe. Lord, we come to you today humbly asking you to bless our service. Lord, we know that nothing of any positive nature will take place today unless you work in this place. Lord, we need you to move in our hearts today. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word because it is through the word of God that we can read and know and study and, and know who you are and learn about you and be able to live as you would have us to live. Lord, I pray that you would work in each heart today, that you would encourage those who are struggling, that you would uh, point out the sin in those that need change in their lives. Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day they would trust in you. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we look forward to continuing to praise your name for all that you're doing. Lord, I pray that you just bless all that's done with the service today. Be with those that are ministering in various aspects, both in this room and with the children, with the babies in the nursery. Lord, all the various things that all would be done for your honor and for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're excited about all the different things we have going on, and I want to just share a couple of those things. Next Saturday, we're having our Widows and Single Moms Car Care Day. So if you're a lady and we can be a blessing to you, make sure to let us know. If you can let Brother Larry know, he's in the back. And uh, we have a sign-up sheet as well over on this table that's close to him, the table with the flowers on it. And we want to be a help to you and uh, hope that it can be a blessing. So, And if you know somebody, they're not here this morning, maybe they're not even part of our church, that's fine. We want to be a blessing to them as well. But we just need to get a little information, so at least get a name and a phone number so we can get a hold of them and set that up for Saturday. I know we've already had some folks sign up for that, so if we can be a help to you, sign up as well. I'm thankful for Brother Larry heading that up for us and putting that together. And uh, another thing we have coming up, boys and girls, you want to pay attention to this, teenagers. We are uh, kicking off this week our Scripture Memory Scholarship for camp. And I mentioned that last Sunday, so we're kicking that off today. You are, if you're interested in memorizing Scripture to be able to help to cover some of your costs for summer camp, make sure to see Mr. Allen Cover after the service. And uh, he's going to meet with you right over here. So parents, you may need to be in on that meeting, I understand. And uh, if your children are signed up for camp or you would like to sign them up for camp, I think they still have a few spaces available at summer camp. We'd love to take your boys and girls with us. We'll have a week for junior camp, which is third through the sixth grade. And then we'll have the teen camp, the seventh through twelfth graders. And uh, so we already have lots of plans and a lot of boys and girls signed up for that. Hope that you'll make plans to be a part of that as that will be coming up. Of course, next Sunday is Mother's Day, and uh, we're looking forward to being able to honor our mothers, so thankful for them and for their ministry to us and serving faithfully in so many different families and with so many different things, even in our church. That'll be a wonderful time. I'm really excited. This week I got to spend some time on the phone with some other pastors and, and churches. We're putting together a youth rally for June the 1st, and I'd ask you to be praying about that. We are expecting a good crowd of teenagers here, and we want to be an encouragement to them. Of course, we'll have all the fun you can handle. We'll have skits, we'll have games, and good food.
But we're going to have two different preaching services as part of that youth rally on June the 1st. So this will be for any of those uh, young people that are currently in sixth grade. This is part of the graduating into seventh grade all the way up through the 12th grade. And so that'll be coming up. We're looking forward to a very special time there. Well, I want to uh, do something now that's taken us a long time to get to, but... Uh, Yesterday, Abe and I got together and we finally finished our continue book. And everybody said, Amen, right? <laughs> Abe and I have been meeting. We were figuring out we should have written down the start date, but we know it's at least been a year now since we started. So we may have set the record, I don't know, for the longest time going through it. But as we talked to our folks, it's not about speed completing a book. It's about people growing in the Lord and understanding and growing in their faith. And so... Abe, why don't you come? I've got a certificate for you, and uh, let's give Abe a hand. He persevered, and he stuck with me, and here's a little book for you, too, with your Bible study, and uh, he can finally catch up with his wife. His wife's been ahead of him for a long time, for almost a year, and so it's good that he joins her in completing this, and of course, Abe just got baptized a couple Sundays ago, and we're thankful what the Lord's doing in his life, and keep praying for him, like I challenged you when he was baptized, and uh, he needs the Lord, as we all do, every day in our walk with him. So congratulations, Abe. Thank you for all your work. We're just thankful for what the Lord's doing. It's exciting. Well, and we also, Brother Brad got and I got to make some good contacts this week out making some visits here in the neighborhood. And if you're interested in being a part of that, make sure to let me or, or Brother Brad know. We have a schedule and a calendar, and we're actually trying to be organized. Isn't that good? And uh, he's helping us do that so that we can be out. If you have some time during the week and you'd like to be with him, also something, to, though, to make note about that, maybe you think, man, going out and telling somebody about the Lord just cold, that seems tough. How do I do that? Well, Brother Brad's going to be helping us with this. We're going to have a class starting June the 9th in the evening, and that'll be a class for all of us to be able to encourage ourselves to understand better how to share our faith. And so some of you are very comfortable with that. You may not need to be part of this class. Others, you say, I really need that class. We'll have some other classes as well. Uh, Brother Kenny's going to be teaching starting this summer as well and some other things on Sunday nights as we look to finish up our real church study that we've been doing on Sunday evening. So I hope you'll make plans to be a part of that. Well, we're going to have Freddie come and read our scripture here. And uh, he's going to be reading from John chapter 16, the second half of the chapter. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 14. Talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit ministers even to those that don't know the Lord as their Savior. He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. But then the Holy Spirit also, of course, we know as believers, He works in our heart to encourage us, to comfort us, to challenge us, to guide us, and teach us into truth. And uh, that was, a, I, for me, it was a helpful study, and I hope it was helpful to you as well. This morning, we're going to be talking about something. You'll hear it as he's reading we're really going to be dealing with the subject of prayer. Because in the second half of John chapter 16, it's talking about prayer. I don't know about you, but I've at different times in my life have had questions about prayer. Why do we pray? Does it really work? Is it just something that we do? 
why does it matter? And we're going to deal with one specific thing about prayer. We're not going to cover everything that there is to talk about prayer in one service. Don't worry, we'd be here all week. Uh, but one specific area, because as you hear me pray in a service or you hear somebody else around here pray, generally at the end of their prayer, at least when I pray, every time I finish a prayer, you'll hear me say, in Jesus' name, amen. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Are these just words that we say? Is it just kind of a tagline that we throw on the end of our prayer just because that's what we do? Or is there biblical precedent for it? And not just precedent, but a biblical reason for doing it. And so that's really what John 16, the second half, part of what it's going to deal with. So Freddie, you come read to us from God's Word this morning. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he said unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father, they said, therefore, what is this that he said a little while? We cannot tell what he said. Now Jesus knew that they were the serious to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire amongst yourselves of, of that I said a little while, and ye shall not see me? And again, a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, had sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. And that day he shall ask in my name, and I will say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world again. I leave the world, and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverbs. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest from, forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
wonderful passage of Scripture. We'll look forward to getting into that in just a few moments. But before uh, we have time to preach, I want to introduce to you our special guest this morning. And uh, this is Brother Jim Starr. He's been a missionary working with folks over in India now for over 20 years. And I asked him his testimony. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just terrible like this. But I looked at him. I thought, 20 years. What, what did you do with the rest of your life? You know, Because he looked a little bit older than 20 to me. And uh, he shared with me his testimony. And this was very encouraging to me. And I think it will be encouraging to you. Uh, he'll probably share a little bit of that this morning. Uh, so I don't want to take all that, but I'm just thankful for people that use their lives to serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter whether uh, you say, well, I don't have a lot of years left or I have a lot of years left. Serve God with what he's given you and be faithful and God can bless over uh, a period of time, whether you only have a few years or whether you have many years left. And I'm thankful for the example of his ministry and how God has been using him. And uh, so he's going to come and share a few things with us this morning. And uh, so, brother, why don't you come and uh, let's give him a nice welcome this morning. We're so glad to have you. It's okay if that presentation doesn't work. That's fine. There you go. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you this morning. I see familiar faces. I know this fellow. I, I'm not sure where we know each other from, but we've... What's, what's, what's your name, brother? Peter? Yeah. Brad Griffin. Brad Griffin, okay. Somewhere, somewhere across the path, I think our paths have crossed. And some other, some other folks. Uh, I see, I think, uh, um, other familiar faces. But it's a joy to be with you this morning. I don't think we got the uh, video to work. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a computer geek. Uh, I, have, uh, I had a presentation and, and uh, it's a VOB file, but being as you use Apple and I use uh, regular old PC, Windows, I guess uh, we couldn't get those things to, to work. But you know what? I believe all things work together for good. Amen? And uh, coming over here this morning, I was you know, just asking the Lord. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. This prayer, actually, a prayer of Jabez. How many have, are familiar with this passage? Raise your hand. Okay. I hope that uh, it'll be a blessing. But the time that I would normally be, uh, we would be sharing a presentation, I'm going to use that, Pastor, to uh, just share the word. And I think that's a lot more important, just looking at the word. And, and especially since this morning, Pastor is speaking on prayer. Because uh, this prayer of Jabez transformed my life in 1992. In 1990, I was invited. I was working up at uh, Bethel Baptist Church in Sellersville, Pennsylvania, serving with Dr. Richard Harris. I'd served there prior to that. I'd planted a church. And uh, my children, I was commuting 160 miles a day because I was convicted that I wanted my children in a Christian school. Uh, Dr. Al Janney made a statement that I read. He said, he said uh, those who say that they cannot afford to put their children in a Christian school, unfortunately, find out too late that it is a very expensive thing not to do. The shipwrecks end up in my office. This is what Dr. Janney said. 
when I read that, my son was uh, six years, he was six years old. I had put him in a public school one semester. I read that. I got so convicted. I said, no way. And so I had a commute 40 miles down, 40 miles back at night, 40 miles down, 40 miles back. But I did that. Uh, while I was planning a church up there, I just didn't have the, I didn't feel God was leading us to start a Christian school. I didn't have the, uh, I didn't feel I had the, uh, what was required to do that, to do that. And so uh, we then, after five years of planning that ministry, we left it in the hands of another. I was just back there five years ago for their 40th anniversary. So the church is still going on, Calvary Baptist of Frackville. And what a thrill to see what God is doing here in this young church. Pastor shared a little bit with me last night. I cannot believe that this church is only two years old. I also cannot believe, now most of you are not two years old, okay? Uh, many of you are seasoned Christians. You've been walking with the Lord for a number of years, and I think it's tremendous what God is doing here in Houston and what God is doing here in this place. It's exciting. Yeah, uh, William Carey, in, 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 uh, on May 31st of uh, 1792, William Carey preached a message in Nottingham, England. It was to the Baptist preachers in Nottingham, England. And his, the, the theme of his message was from Isaiah chapter 54. But the theme was, expect great things from God, say it with me, and attempt great things for God. Say it with me. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Never underestimate God. In Psalm 78, the psalmist talks about uh, how that uh, the children of Israel, it says that they were armed. Psalm 78 and verse 9. It says that the children of Israel were armed they were carrying bows in the day of battle. But what did they do? The Bible says they turned back. Isn't that terrible? They turned back. And it says in verse 41 of 78, chapter 78, verse 41 of Psalms, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. You know what I wrote in my Bible beside that verse? May I never limit God. Amen. Amen? May we never limit God. It's exciting to see what God's doing here, Pastor. It's exciting. And uh, just we just need to stay humble. We need to be faithful. Amen? Be faithful. Be humble. And uh, Adam, is it? Abe, Abe, Abe. Abe, I've got a book back there for you. You see me after church, okay? I have a book I want to give you. It's a 25-lesson correspondence course, okay? And it's by Dr. Gene Gerganis. We have translated this course now into, I think, nine major languages. Of course, English, then Mandarin, Chinese, Hindi, Burmese, Nepalese, and about uh, eight, uh, about four or five of the Indian major languages this book's been translated into, but I want to give that to you. I want you to do the course, and when you do, we'll also give you a real beautiful certificate, okay, of completion. <laughs> but but our, ours will be prettier because it's got our logo on it, okay? 
So uh, First Chronicles, and where's Billy? Where's Billy? Where's Billy? And his there he is hiding back there. Billy, uh, what a great guy! I, I I just met him for the first time. Wonderful family. I've stayed in his uh, mother and father's home many times. They've been so hospitable, cared for me on numerous occasions, and uh, it's a joy to see Brother Billy here and see him up here serving the Lord with his uh, beautiful wife. We praise God now. A little over. I didn't realize over a little over a year they've been married. My time flies. Okay, 1 Chronicles 4. Let's look there for just a minute. This wonderful prayer. We're talking about prayer this morning. You know what, Pastor? I forgot to turn my stopwatch on. Brother, I, I, I forgot to start my stopwatch. Okay, I think I've gone five minutes. Is that about right? Okay, okay. All right, so look, at, look with me. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. This wonderful prayer of Jabez. It says, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, I bear him with sorrow. Now look at verse 10. And Jabez called on the name of the Lord God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my coasts, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. I read that prayer in my devotions in April of 1992. Uh, two years prior to that, I had received an invitation from a pastor in India to come over and to help him reach his people for Christ. When he invited me, I laughed at him. I said, there's no way I could ever think of going to India. That's on the other side of the world. I don't have those kinds of resources. And besides, my pastor has said, Jim has a big heart, but he's got small pockets. And he was right. <laughs> Jim, you know, I got a big heart, but my pockets are pretty small, okay? But isn't it great? God has a wonderful way of not only enlarging our coasts, but he can enlarge our hearts. He can enlarge our pocketbooks. Amen? There's nothing that's too hard for God. And so that morning, as I read about this man, Jabez, Manny had invited me to come. And as I read this, I thought, you know, if God could do this for Jabez 3,000 years ago, he could do it for me today. And I said, Lord, I'm available. And that is the key, folks, being available. Are you available? Are you available for whatever God wants you to do? This church has many needs. As it continues to grow, there's going to be many opportunities. The question is, are you available? Are you available to go out and knock on doors? Are you available to go out and reach this city for Jesus Christ? Are you available? Are your resources available? That's the key. I said, Lord, I'm available. I remember we had just built a new home. In Sellersville, Pennsylvania, I could walk out of my driveway. In five minutes, I'd walk into the parking lot of our church. And my wife and I had planned to spend the rest of our lives there. Beautiful new home we just built. But you know what? Lord said, no. I want, I want you in India. I said, Lord, I'm available. You know what happened? I remember going outside my home, kneeling down on the ground outside of my home. And I said, Lord, 
You've called me. This isn't my home. This is yours. You gave this to me. And Lord, my life, it's yours. And Lord, I'm willing. I'll go wherever you want and do whatever you want me to do. And that began a journey in 1992 that I have been on now for 27 years. A journey that led me back to Bible college. Bible college? Yeah. 45 years old. Went back to Bible college to sharpen my axe so that I could do a ministry that would be more effective for God. Amen? God wants us to be sharp for Him. He wants our tools to be sharp. He wants to use instruments, but we've got number one. It all starts with availability. So here's this man, Jabez. says his, he is more honorable than his brethren. Who were his brethren? I used to think it was the people that lived in his generation. But you know what? Somebody read 1 Chronicles 2.55. Got your Bibles? Somebody's got it? Open it up. 1 Chronicles 2, verse 55. Please read it. If you have it, quickly. 1 Chronicles 2.55, some big words there. Just read that. The only other verse in all the Bible that talks about this man, Jabez. 1 Chronicles 2.55. Who was Rahab? Do you know that Rahab was a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus? Did you know that Jabez, his grandmother, was Rahab also? Interesting. Interesting. And he was from the lineage of the Kenites. Who were the Kenites? Who was Jethro, Moses' father-in-law? He was a Kenite. Okay? And so we learn. But most importantly, he was more honorable than his brethren. Who were Jabez's brethren? What does it say? Read that, read that first verse again. Read that the first, first sentence there. 1 Chronicles 2.55. Sorry. And the families of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez. Who were the scribes? Where did we get this book? This book came to us as a result of the scribes. The scribes are the ones that handed down the word of God to us. And Jabez was more honorable than all the other scribes. And they named a city in memory of him Jabez, the city of the scribes. He was more honorable than his brethren. But notice here, his mother called his name Jabez. Jabez, what's that mean? It means he causes pain. Can you imagine a mother naming her child? You cause me pain? Why would you ever call your child, you cause me pain? I mean, every time you call him for breakfast, every time you call him for supper, you call me, you cause me pain. You cause me sorrow. But that's what his name meant. We don't know what surrounded the birth of Jabez, but there was something, maybe, maybe, maybe his father had died and she was left now to raise this little boy without a daddy. There was some unusual circumstance, or what I think, Jabez had a disability. He was not a perfect child. And that's why she said, he causes me pain. It grieved her that there was something wrong with this child. But I got news for you. God can use anybody. God can use anybody. And this little boy with this deformity, which I'm only assuming, we don't know that for sure, God used this young man mightily. 
And he prayed a prayer and he said, Oh, Lord God of Israel, bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. And Lord, let your hand be with me and keep me from evil that it will not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested that morning. I said, Lord, if you could do this for Jabez 3,000 years ago, you can do it for Jim Starr today. I said, I'm available. And that began the journey back to Bob Jones University, back to school to sharpen my axe, graduating in 1994 through the near death of my son in a motorcycle accident in 1995. I got thrust into some businesses with him, a business, a carpentry business, doing all of the interior trim carpentry, all this woodwork, baseboard, crown molding. He, my son taught me. He learned it all, BJ. He taught daddy. He taught me how to build the staircases. And God bless me indeed. And in 1996 of January, I took my first trip to India. God bless me indeed through the proceeds of that business. One day we're going down the road. My son said, Dad, you make money where you're not. I said, what did you say? Make money where you're not? I said, that's not possible. He said, yeah, you know McDonald. He's got hamburger joints all over the world. He's making money where he's not. Then I understood we was talking about leveraging his time, leveraging your time, leveraging your resources. And so one day I was going past this car wash. I had background in car wash business. I drove up. I said, sir, would you sell this car wash? Big smile on his face. Sure, for the right price. I said, well, how much is the right price? And he told me. I said, I'm interested. God led me to a Christian banker. I was able to borrow the money to buy that, that business. And then we expanded that business and put a 129 mini warehouse complex on there. And through these businesses, through a car wash, through a storage business, through a U-Haul business, through the carpentry business, through the construction business, we were able to support our ministry. God bless me indeed and enlarge my coast multiple times, more than 70 times in and out of India, just India and many other nations. I'm, not, I'm bragging on God this morning. God can do that, folks. Don't limit God. And he said, oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. I like what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said what, what he meant by bless me indeed. Some, some translations leave the word indeed out, but it's really important. That little word, bless me indeed, spoke to me that Jabez was a humble man. He said, Lord, in spite of my sinfulness, in spite of my unworthiness, in spite of who I am and what I am, my disability, God bless me indeed. I don't deserve your blessing, but oh God, bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. They were going in and conquering the land and God enlarged his coast and God kept him from evil and, and, and God's hand was with him and God's hand has been with me now for 27 years in this ministry. God has blessed indeed. And lastly, it says that it may not grieve me. And I wondered, Pastor, what is Jabez saying here? That it may not grieve me. What does Jabez mean that it may not grieve me? His name means son of grief. And so what he was saying is, Lord, my name, I have grieved my mother. I have grieved people. And Lord, 
May it not grieve me. What? I need your blessing, God. I need your hand upon me. I need your power. I need your guidance. I need your Holy Spirit direction, Lord, so that it will not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. What does it mean that it may not grieve me? Well, here's what I think he meant. He meant what Paul meant. The Apostle Paul said that I might finish my course with joy. Amen? That it may not grieve me. Lord, don't let me do something stupid. Don't let me do something stupid that you're going to be grieved with or that I'll be grieved with. God, that it may not grieve me. Don't let me do something I shouldn't do or don't. Or, Lord, don't let me not do something that I should do. Amen? It can be both ways. And I like God granted him that which he requested. Listen to me, folks. You've only got one life. I'm in my sunset. My sunset, my sun is setting. I'll be 73 in a few months. My sun's setting. But a lot of you young people, you got a whole life ahead of you. But you only got one life. You only have one life. You young people, one life. That's all. What are you going to do with that one life? There's three things you can do with your life. Three things. Only three things. Number one, you can take your life and you can throw it away. Waste it. Drugs, sex, alcohol, all the filth of this world, pornography, and all that garbage. You can just throw your life away. Number two, you can spend your life. You say, what do you mean, preacher, spend it? You can just spend your life living for yourself, accumulating, getting rich, getting all that you can for yourself so that you can be some, some big, big deal someday. Just, you know, just gimme, 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 accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Or, number three, you can invest your life. You only got one. I choose to invest my life. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for your treasure in heaven. Amen? How can you lay up your treasures in heaven? Because there's only three things that are eternal. Only three things eternal. God is eternal. He is the eternal, everlasting Father. God is eternal. Invest your life in God. Number two, heaven and earth will pass away. But say it with me. My word shall never pass away. This Bible is eternal. It is the everlasting word of the living God. It's eternal. Number one, God's eternal. Number two, God's word is eternal. What's the other? Number three. I said number three. What do you think it is? That's right, brother. Your soul. That's right. So if you're a wise man and a wise woman, you're going to invest your life in the three things eternal. God, God's word, and the souls of people. This pastor is a wise man. He's a wise man. He's investing his life in those things that are eternal. What about you? Let's pray.
Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. I pray now as pastor comes that, Lord, you'll, you'll continue to use him. Speak to us, Lord, on this matter of prayer. We thank you for this wonderful prayer of Jabez, Lord, that has so impacted my life. And, Lord, we know that it's your word, and you love it when we pray your word back to you. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, you would just speak to some hearts this morning. And may we never limit God. May we never limit you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you and praise you for what you have done in this ministry in two short years. And, Lord, we pray you'll keep this church faithful to you and that, Lord, you'll continue to bless this pastor, keep your hand upon him and upon this people, and continue to grow this church and reach Houston for Jesus Christ and the rest of the world. We thank you for what they're doing through missions $2,500 a month. Thank you for this good news, the generosity of these people. Lord, just keep blessing them and keep using them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, our boys and girls are going to be dismissed out with Brother James and Sister Angela Collard to their junior church time. Let's stand for just a moment. Let the boys and girls get out. Greet somebody. Welcome. Glad that they're here today. Stretch your legs for a moment. You already heard one good message, but I don't want you going to sleep in the next one. So uh, take just a moment. We're glad that you're here. All right, when you're able, find your seat there. And we'll take our Bibles, turn back to John chapter 16. Let's turn back to John chapter 16 this morning. You didn't know you were going to get two for the price of one today. Oh, yes. And Brother Starr, um, I know we had these out and we forgot. We'll make sure we get these out to you. I'm not sure where the stack of them is, but there's a list here. Go ahead and we can pass those out right now. You don't have to read it through all right now, but this is a list of their ministry partners that they're working with around the world, mostly over in India, of course, as you just heard. And he's just asked that we'd take this list and pray. So I think there's enough for at least one per family. So if you'd take those and, and uh, keep it with you. But just sticking it in your Bible doesn't do any good. I hope that you'll take it out and pray for those folks. And uh, we're going to hear some more about prayer this morning. I'm thankful the Lord puts those things together. Thank you, Brother Starr, for that wonderful challenge, and thankful for what God is doing and your testimony of faithfulness to Him. John chapter 16, John chapter 16 this morning. As Freddie read just a few minutes ago, we see really this conversation that Jesus is having with His disciples. Of course, Jesus, as we talked about last Sunday, Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he would go to the cross, when he would die. And of course, then after his death, we know three days later, he rose again. And then some 40 days after that, he ascended back up into heaven where he's been since then. And so as you heard Freddie reading, there was quite a bit of conversation going back and forth between Jesus and the disciples about, I'm here with you for a little while, and then you won't see me, and then you'll see me again, and this back and forth going on. Why was he talking about this? Well, Jesus was with them right then. They could see him then, but he was about to die. He was just a short time from his death, so they wouldn't see him now for a short time, a little while, three days, and then they would see him again. And of course, they saw him when he rose from the grave. But then he just spent 40 days with them 
before he ascended back up into heaven. So they didn't see him again. But that's not what Jesus finishes with. Of course, we know we will see Jesus another time, won't we? And we'll spend an eternity with him as believers in Jesus Christ. Last week, as we looked at the Holy Spirit, we know that the Holy Spirit will reveal or works to reveal God's truth to us. Jesus was going away. He would then come again, and then He would go to the Father. Jesus, once again, is dealing with the reality and preparing His disciples for the reality of what was to come. Look at verse number 20. Jesus said, Verily, verily, that really means truly, I'm speaking the truth, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament. Weep and lament. You're going to be upset. You're going to be sorrowful. Why? He said, but the world shall rejoice. What was about to happen that would cause the disciples to weep and lament, but would cause the world to rejoice? Well, this is Jesus speaking of his own death. He said, you're going to be sorrowful. You're going to weep when I die on the cross. And they did. Jesus said, though, the world will rejoice. And many people did rejoice when Jesus died. And they weren't rejoicing because they knew that their sins were being paid for. They were rejoicing because they felt like they had killed this one that had caused them so many problems. But Jesus says, and ye shall be sorrowful. Notice the end of verse 20. But your sorrow shall be turned into joy. As Jesus is dealing with this reality of preparing his disciples for the soon-to-be future of Jesus' death on the cross... He was reminding them and helping them to understand that they needed to have the right perspective. He said, yes, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Then he gives us an illustration in verse 21 of what that looks like. He said, a woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow. You've been around the birth of a child. You know that's a very intense process for a lady to go through. It says, because her hour is come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. It's not saying that you, there's no recollection of any pain. What it's saying is the joy of this child is so wonderful that the pain, you look back and say, it was worth it to go through it for the joy that I'm now experiencing. I know having been with my wife five times as she gave birth, there's a lot of pain in that process, but you could ask her, she would tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. There's joy, why? Because in our case, four men were born into the world and one, one young lady. It says there in verse 22, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man taketh from you. He focuses in a little bit more here in verse 22 on the idea of joy. Back in verse 20, he said their sorrow will be turned into joy. And now in verse 22, he says, your joy that no man can take from you. You know, it's wonderful to take something sad and turn it into something happy, right? To take something bad and turn it into something good. And that's what Jesus says is going to happen. But then he gets even more specific. I think even gives a, a better promise, if you will, when he says, not only will your sorrow be turned to joy, but I'm going to give you a joy that no one can take away. 
You know, there's a lot of things that will try to steal your joy. And you know what? Joy can be stolen if you have your joy in the wrong place. Where do you find your joy this morning? What, what gives you the greatest joy? Some people would say, well, the greatest joy I have is when I'm out there on the ball field and I make the touchdown or I kick the goal or uh, on the basketball court when I make the winning shot. That's the greatest joy in all the world. And in fact, the NBA Finals are going on right now. If you watch any sports, you see some guys get excited and some fans get excited about that. But you know what? In a few weeks, as the finals are completed, as the NBA playoffs finish, and then the finals and all that, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. I think I said that after the Super Bowl. Same thing's going to happen, right? <laughs> it's the same result every time. Somebody wins and somebody loses. Somebody goes out excited. Wow, this is the greatest thing in all the world. But you know what? People that win championships, they still face sorrow. They still face struggle. Someday they'll die too. And while there's a lot of excitement and joy in that, that's not a joy that cannot be taken away. In fact, you can take that joy away, can't you? You know, some people say, well, my joy is in my family. I have the greatest joy in, in having my family close. And that's a wonderful place. But it's not the best place to find your joy. Because the reality is family too can be taken away. I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy our families. We absolutely should enjoy our families. They are a gift from God. Children are an heritage from the Lord. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. These are all gifts from God, and they are things we can enjoy. But let's not get more enjoyment from the gift than the giver of the gift. Who gives us that? Well, it's God. Let's find our joy in Him. He says, this is a joy, verse 22, that no man taketh from you. So you say, well, how can I get this joy? How can I find this joy in Christ? Well, look at verses 23 and verse 24. It says, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, here it is, that your joy may be full. So you say, Pastor, how can I have this joy? He says it right here. It's by praying in the name of Jesus. I would tell you uh, by a first point this morning that there's really two purposes when it comes to prayer. We can find the first purpose back in John chapter 14. So just a couple pages back in your Bible. John 14, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Here's the purpose. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. The first purpose of prayer is that God would be glorified. You see, when you and I pray, asking God to do something and God does it, God is glorified. God was glorified in the life of Jabez, wasn't he? Because Jabez asked him for something, God supplied it, and God gets the glory. Because God is the one that does the work. So when we pray, one of the purposes of prayer is to bring glory to God. When you pray about something, it's you saying, God, I don't have the answers, you do. 
God, I can't fix this problem. God, you can. God, I need your help in this situation because this is not something that I can handle. And you know what I found? The older I get, I'm not old yet, so I don't know how much, what it's going to be like. Maybe some of you are much further advanced than me in this area of prayer. But the older I get, the more I realize there is more that I need to pray about. Because the longer I go, the, the more I realize there's less that I really have control over. The more I realize how important it is that God does the work. This morning when I woke up, my wife and I spent a little bit of time praying. We were praying for you. We were praying for some friends of ours. We were praying some f- for some family members. Now, there's a lot of situations going on that we know about right now, some things in our family and different things, some folks in our church and people that we've met along the way. And I just said, Shannon, we need to pray about these things. These are not things that we have the answers to, but we know God has the answers. These are not things that we can reach out and untangle that mess and fix it. This is something we need God to do. See, when we pray, we bring glory to God. And he says that when we pray, our joy will be full. The second purpose of prayer is that, that our joy might be full. John 16, verse 24. We just read it. Let's read it again. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. I want to point out something in that verse, though. It says, ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. I would tell you this. I think many times people are guilty of praying and hoping. Praying and hoping. And yet this verse says, ask and receive. Ask and receive. In other words, there's an attitude of here, I am going to receive what God gives me. Think about it. If you were in a situation you really needed $50, you might pray to God and say, God, would you supply the $50 that I need? But for many people, they'll pray for the $50 and then they'll come up with all the reasons in their mind why God can't give them $50. And why there's really no way, nobody they know has $50. They don't have $50. They don't have any way to earn the $50. And so they just sort of end up hoping. Whereas I believe in prayer, we ought to trust God, right? Prayer is trusting God. Now, Is God going to give me the $50 just because I say, God, give me the $50? That's not prayer. That's me telling telling God what to do. I don't get to tell God what to do, but I can ask Him. And if I need it, God supplies it. But I don't get to define what my need is. God does. But instead of praying and just hoping, well, maybe, making excuses, I don't know, God probably can't do it, we ought to have the attitude... I'm here ready to receive, Lord, whatever it is that you want to give me. Brother Starr said it this way, that we'd be available. God, if you'll give it to me, whatever it is that you want to give me, I'll receive it. And notice it says that your joy may be full. So that means whatever God gives me is enough so that I can find my joy in Him. Say, well, I look at my situation, it doesn't feel very good. Have you prayed about it? Have you asked God? Have you been ready to receive then whatever He gives you? See, we often look at what God gives us and say, but God, this isn't enough. I I need this other thing, or if you had done it this way, then I'd be happy. And see, now we're finding our joy in our circumstances. We're finding our joy in what we have or don't have. And God says, find your joy in the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. 
So if God's given it to me, it's what He chose to give me. I'm ready to receive what God is giving to me. Too many times people try to take advantage of this and twist this to their own purposes, though. And when we twist this to our own purpose and say, well, I'm just praying to get what I want or praying to fix things according to my plan, we're forgetting the first purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not that you would get glory, but that God would be glorified. See, many times people say, well, I prayed in Jesus' name, or I said this, and God didn't answer it, God didn't work. No, the idea of prayer is communication with God. When I'm communicating with God, God hears my prayer, and God answers prayer. He just doesn't always answer it the way you and I expect Him to answer it. But because we don't always get the answers we like, many times people are guilty of not praying and not asking. They're trusting in themselves instead of in the Lord. Often when we pray, we don't pray as God would have us to pray. We're not praying for God's will to be done, but rather for our own. We have God's Word, and we know that the Bible is true. We know that God's Word has the answers to life. When I find things in God's Word that don't make sense to me, or don't fit into my way of thinking, the problem is not with God's Word, The problem is with me. Verse 24 is not a blank check to get whatever I want. Some people would teach that. They'd say, well, if you pray and say these specific words and do it in this specific way, if you just believe enough, then God will give you whatever you want. That's not taught in Scripture anywhere. So what does this mean? The Bible approaches prayer from the perspective that it is meant to be answered. God answers prayer. Jesus said back in verse 23, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. So the two purposes of prayer, for the glory of God and that our joy might be full. Secondly, I want you to see next the position of the one who's praying. So how do I approach my prayer? What's, what am I doing when I'm praying? See, when I pray, as it says here, to ask the Father in my name. So when I pray in Jesus' name, it means I'm asking based on the merit of who Jesus is. In other words, when I come before God, I'm not coming in confidence in my own strength. I'm not praying according to, well, God, you've seen all the great things I've done for you. All the trips I've made to India, all the people I've helped, all the work around the church that I've done. So, God, you ought to answer my prayer. I'm not coming to God based on my own merit. I'm coming in Jesus' name. When I say, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good person, God ought to take care of me, and God ought to supply my need, I've done so much by faith, God ought to make me really rich. No, we don't come to God based on our merit. We come to God based on the merit of Jesus Christ. What has Jesus done? See, when I'm good, the reality is I'm not good enough. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of of God. Even my sins that have been forgiven still doesn't make me good enough. I can stand before God based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. 
It is by the blood of Christ that we are justified. We are made righteous before God. So there's the position of the one praying. You're praying in Jesus' name. It means to ask in His merit. My only confidence this morning is in Jesus. I can't stand before you this morning just because I went to college. I can't stand before you this morning just because I'm taller than you. (laughs) I can only stand before you this morning because of what Jesus has done. Now, sure, I could get up here. I could fake it. I could put on a show. Lots of people do. But it doesn't really make any real change. Why? Because we don't come to God based on our own merit. We owe Him everything. So when you come before God and you pray in Jesus' name, you are acknowledging your complete unworthiness to come before God on His own. You must come in the name of Jesus to expect to receive any answer from Him. Some will come before God confident in their own abilities. And yet there are others who will say, well, I can't pray because I've done so many bad things. This is the second reason we would pray in Jesus' name. Because when I am bad, He's good. Some people say, well, I've done a lot of bad things. God would never hear my prayer. I've done this. I've done that. God always hears the prayer of the repentant sinner. God will hear you, not because you come before Him saying what you've done, not because you stay back from Him and say, well, because I've done all these bad things, I could never approach Him. No, we're coming in Jesus' name. Think about it. If if you were to go with me tomorrow and we went down to the bank to get a loan, you couldn't go down to the bank and say, I want to get a loan in the name of Arise Baptist Church. Why? Because you don't get to come based on the merit of the church. You'd have to come and stand there on your own merit. Some of you maybe could get the loan. Some of you couldn't get the loan, right? Based on your own merit. See, when we come before God, none of us has any standing on our own. We must come before Him in Jesus' name. You say, why is this so important? Are you just talking about the words that you say at the end of a prayer? Well, as long as I tag those words on, then I'm okay. No, it's an attitude of submission and humility before an almighty God. Some people don't pray because they don't feel like they need to. God can't do anything about this anyway. That's pride. Be humble. Some people may not pray because they feel like they've done so many bad things. Come before God in the name of Jesus and ask Him for forgiveness. See, praying in Jesus' name means to ask in His merit, but praying in Jesus' name also means to come as His representative. You see, when I come before the Lord, I am praying on behalf of His kingdom, not my own. Do you know what the Lord's prayer is? This would be, some would call it the model prayer. This was a prayer that Jesus prayed, demonstrating to his disciples how to pray. If you know it, maybe you can say it with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Did you hear what you just said? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. See, when we come before Christ, we're not coming as, or before the Lord in prayer, we're not coming representing ourselves. We're coming here as a representative with Jesus Christ to say, Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. How often do we pray to advance our own kingdoms? Many times our prayers are about advancing our own selfish desires instead of advancing the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus says, when you pray, ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. See, when God's work is going forward, when God's kingdom is advancing, when God is working through you to accomplish His will, your joy will be full. When you're working to advance your own kingdom and try to fulfill your own desires above God's plan and above God's way, your joy will not be full. It may feel good for a moment, but then it'll go away. You know, I believe, I believe it would even be wrong for me as a pastor to find my joy in this church. So the church is a good thing, right? Find your joy in the Lord. Some of you know this. Churches can come and churches can go. Local churches can. We know the church of Jesus Christ, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. We know that it'll be here until Jesus comes back for His own. But ultimately, my faith, my joy, my hope isn't just found in a church body. It's found in the head, Jesus Christ. Praying in Jesus' name means to come based on His merit. Praying in Jesus' name means to come as His representative. I read this this week. I thought it was a great statement. We have to work at making our will subject to the will of God. And when we do, we will begin to see results in prayer. We have to work to, at making our will subject to the will of God. What's the will of God? That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. And when we make our will subject to God's will, then we will begin to see results in prayer. Let's not be praying for our own glory. Let's pray for His Glory. God may allow difficulty in our lives to cause us to look with more anticipation for His return. Look at verse number 25. Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Jesus is saying, I'm speaking to you, and you may not understand everything I'm saying. That's what he's talking about, speaking in Proverbs. But he says, I will show you plainly the Father. How does Jesus show us plainly the Father? Well, we know he goes to the Father. We know that Jesus is now at the right hand of God the Father, the Bible says, making intercession for us. Will there be difficulty in our life? Well, we know it. Look back at verse 20, you see the sorrow. You see the pain, you see the suffering. 
God can allow that in our life so that our eyes might be turned to Him. Notice, though, this personal relationship with God that comes through prayer. So we must pray in Jesus' name. This is the position that we take based on the merit of Christ as a representative of Him. But verse 26 says, At that day ye shall ask in my name, there it is again, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father Himself loveth you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and I'm come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Jesus is saying through prayer, you and I can have a personal relationship with the Father. Now you say, why is that significant? Think about who his audience is here in John chapter 16. Who is he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. These men that had spent time with him personally, they had a personal relationship with Jesus. I mean, they could talk to him, they could shake his hand, they could give him a hug, they spent a lot of time with him. And what Jesus is saying, you don't just have a personal relationship with me, he's saying you can have a personal relationship with God the Father through prayer. Did you see that there? And, and he says to them that they don't have to pray to him and then have him pray to the Father on their behalf. We can talk to God directly. What a blessing that is to know that we can have a personal relationship with our Father. He says that in verse 27, For the Father Himself loveth you. Again, think about who these disciples were. These were men of the Jewish faith. And when they would come before Jesus, they had to come and make sacrifices, right? The priest would make that sacrifice on their behalf. And what Jesus is saying, you can now go directly to God. You don't need any of these other things in between anymore. Now we know Jesus is still there interceding on our behalf. I'm not trying to minimize that fact. But I'm trying to point out as these disciples would have had to realize, we, we no longer need this human priest here anymore to go to God on our behalf. We can now go directly to God. What a wonderful truth that is that you can have a personal relationship with Almighty God. What a blessing it is to be able to read in the passage of Scripture that the Father loves you. It means a lot when someone says they love you, doesn't it? And we know that God loves us. How do we know that God loves us? You, all, you probably all know the verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, through prayer, we get to have a personal relationship with God. As we pray in Jesus' name, receiving what God gives to us, God promises that our joy will be full. God promises that we can have a personal relationship with Him. What is necessary in order to have a personal relationship with someone? Well, we could say there are a number of different things, but I would tell you one very key ingredient is communication. Communication. If you don't have the ability to communicate with somebody, it's very difficult to have a personal relationship with them, isn't it? I love it, and some of you have done this. You ever visited a foreign country where you were with people that you didn't speak the same language as them? 
but you found out maybe through an interpreter or somebody else that they worship the same God that you worship. There's great fellowship there. You're able to communicate with them, maybe not with your words, but through your facial expressions and and your gestures and and your excitement about serving the Lord. That's a blessing. There's a relationship there. What? And it's based on being able to communicate with them. Of course, the foundation is Jesus Christ. How do you have a relationship with God? Through prayer. I want to ask you a question this morning. How is your relationship with God? Some of you might say, well, pastor, I've trusted in Jesus. I've been saved. How's your prayer life? How's your communication with him? I got married, too, as well, to my wife. But if that was the last time we communicated, it's been almost 14 years now. It's good to see you over there, honey. It's good to talk to you today. That'd be really rough, wouldn't it, if that's all the communication we had? You know, we were talking about this the other day. We just want more time to be able to communicate with one another. That's what happens in a good relationship, isn't it? You look at things and say, I need to get rid of some of this other stuff so we have even more time to communicate. I've got to put my cell phone down. I've got to get home from work. I've got to be together so we can spend more time communicating. Why? Because we want our relationship to go stronger. And if we're going to have a personal relationship with God, we get to communicate through prayer. You're not coming to God based on your merit. You're not coming to God based on what you've done. You're coming to God based on what Christ has done for us. But it gives you the ability, because of what Christ has done, to have a personal relationship with God. I would tell you, I believe most Christians don't really know what it means to have a personal, daily relationship of communication with God. I think many Christians have trusted in Jesus, perhaps, as their Savior. And they pray now and again as they have a need. They say a quick word of prayer here or there. Maybe ask God to bless a meal and thank Him for the food. But do we really have a close relationship with God that is demonstrated through communication in prayer. It takes time. The Lord has convicted me personally a lot about this this year. My wife and I and some others, we we started putting together some prayer journals this year and writing down requests and keeping track of those. I've got your names in my journal and I pray through those and I have it split up onto different days so I can work through and pray for different people and and remember them. That's why you'll hear us on Wednesday night. Anybody have updates to the prayer request? Anybody have another prayer request? That's why we have little cards in the pews where you can write down a prayer request and put it in the offering prayer at the end of the service so I can be praying about those things. I've got a whole list of just personal things, my own stuff that most of you don't know anything about that I talk to God about. Because God is my heavenly father. Just like an earthly father wants to know what's going on. How much more does our heavenly father want to hear from us? Sometimes we say things like, well, but if he's God, he already knows everything anyway. I don't need to pray about it. God already knows about it. It's a relationship. If you've been married for any amount of time, you can tell when your spouse is having a hard time. But what do you do? Just, well, ignore it and she'll get over it eventually. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that one. Not going to work out too well for you. No, what do you do? You communicate about it. 
Because it's a relationship. I already know what the problem is. The problem's me. Yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) Communicate about it. Communicate about it. How do we have a personal relationship with God the Father? It's being able to communicate directly to Him. This is what Jesus is telling His disciples. You now can go directly to God. I would ask you this morning, are you taking advantage of that ability that God has given us to be able to communicate directly with Him. I want to finish up here. Look at verses 31 through 33. I know we've kind of gone quickly this morning. Look at verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own and shall leave me alone and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Oh, what a blessed thing that we have when we have that relationship with God, is that we can have peace. There's a peace that comes Through the presence of God. You see what he says here? In the world ye shall have tribulation. Your life is hard. You know that. I know that. God knows that. But he says here, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. You want your joy to be made full? Pray. In Jesus' name, not in, not in something you've done or your ability or your merit. Come to God and say, because of what Christ has done, here's my struggle, here's my need, here's what's going on. And trust God that when God provides, be ready to receive what He gives you. Too many times, though, we're sitting there, we're praying, here God gives us something. No, God, that's not what I wanted. No, God, that's not what I asked for. That's not the right kind of prayer. Take what God gives you, receive it, that your joy may be full. Who are you? Who am I to judge exactly what we need? We can't see it all. God can. Pray and your joy will be full. Pray and you'll have a personal relationship with God the Father. Pray and you'll be able to experience peace. Peace that comes Not in yourself, not even necessarily in your family, not necessarily in your job. What does he say here? That in me, you might have peace. That's hard for some of us because we got a whole lot of other things piled up in our lives. God here really strips it all away. Jesus is saying, in me, in me. The whole world may be a mess. There might be tribulation and struggle everywhere. But in me, you can have peace. Where do you find your peace this morning? Where do you find your joy this morning? See, we, we, we build these things. on all, you know, We build up our joy and our peace on all kinds of different things. Our health, our finances, our job situation, our human relationships. We find our joy and peace in those things. I, I want you to know... Those things 
that joy and peace, that can be taken away. Find your joy and find your peace in the Lord, in me. Let's bow for prayer. Father, so thankful that Jesus has overcome the world. Thank you for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that has never trusted in what Jesus has done, what Jesus has already paid for. If they're trusting in anything else this morning, I pray that today would be the day they would trust in you. Lord, for those who have trusted in you as their, for their salvation, Lord, I pray that you would challenge hearts this morning, those that are struggling and not feeling very joyful, those that don't have peace, those that are not pursuing the personal relationship with the Father that comes through prayer. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of our sin, of not trusting you and not praying as we should. And that you would draw us closer to you and that we would be able to see you further fulfill your plan through us as we're faithfully following you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The piano's going to play here for just a moment. God's spoken to your heart this morning. One's already come to pray. You feel as God leads you, you come. If I can pray with you, I'd like to do that. I want to help you with whatever the Lord's called you to do this morning. If you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, come. We'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.